So we welcome each and every one of you to this series of classes whereas we're learning from the science of Al-Hadith from the Hadith of the Messenger من فضيلة الإمام الشيخ العلامة الإمام البيقوني رحمه الله تعالى And we're learning from the words of the noble Imam of Al-Hadith Al-Shaykh Al-Bayquni May Allah have mercy upon him فما هو آخر نوع حديث تعلمناه تشرفناه يا أخوان وتشرفنا بأن تعلمناه What was the last type of hadith 
that we had the honor to learn, alhamdulillah, many of who remembers Al-Farud are sent. فَمَنْ هُوَ الْحَدِيثُ الْفَرُدُ يَخْوَانَ مَنْ يَعْلَمُ So what is the hadith Al-Farud, who remembers? Al-Hadith الَّذِي يُرْوَى بِرَّاوٍ وَاحِدٍ The hadith that has one narrator. وَتَعَلَّمْنَا أَنَّهُ يُشْبِهُ مَاذَا we also learned that it resembles what hadith? Al-Gharib You can say Ahad, Gharib, Jamila وَتَعَلَّمْنَا أَنَّ تَفَرُّدَ نُعَانَ أَنَّ تَفَرُّدَ نُعَانَ We also learned that the hadith being narrated by one narrator or a person being singular or single in one narration this can be divided into two types أَتَفَرُّدُ نُعَانَ the hadith being attributed to one person or having one single narrator can be divided into two types. What's the first one? Al-Mutlaq. The hadith that has one single narrator unrestrictedly. This is the one that resembles the hadith Al-Gharib. This category, the hadith that has one single narrator. You can also call it hadith al-ahad. You can call it hadith al-gharib. Wa al-nu'thani, masih, second type. Oh, second type of farad. Tadqur, remember? When the hadith is single, has one, the fact that the hadith is single, can be divided into two parts. One, just one narrator, mutalaq, atafarud al-mutalaq. Unrestricted, one narrator, narrating the hadith. Huh? Eh? That's the first category. What's the second? Abu Mashaykh? Yeah, Atafarud al-nisbiyu. The hadith, it may not have one narrator, but it's, it's attributed to have one person relatively. Maybe not unrestricted, Mithalan, for example, man عندهم مثال شكروها. Give us an example of the تفرد النسبي. The hadith that has one that is relativity attributed to one person, per se. The hadith on Khattab will be like the first category. It was another example. Accent. كلو روات لا يأتي من روب واحد لا. Perhaps it doesn't have one narrator. لكن كل الروات من الروات Every narrator from the narrators من بلد واحد are from one country. So it's single with regards to the country. It's single with regards to a place. It's single with regards to men. It's single with regards to something specific. ليس عددا has nothing to do with number. بتفرد نسبي It's something relative. Doesn't have to be a one or two. No, it's a relative issue. Tfadl. With a relative, uh, can you consider what you said, like Imam Malik was the only reliable student? Accent. From the Sheikh, is that relative? Or is that hey, that will be relative. The hadith has more than one narrator. But from a Zuhri, Imam Malik is the one that is reliable. Imam Zuhri has some weak students, mashallah. Imam Malik is from the Thiqat. Al-Adina Rawao and Imam Zuhri. 
So Imam Malik, the hadith from Az-Zuhri, you will say this is Faradun Milid Malik. This hadith is Farad. It doesn't mean he's the only narrator. No. It's relative, meaning he is the only one that is reliable from Imam Az-Zuhri. That would be a good example of that which is relative. The, the hadith that is far has two types. Al-Mutalaq, that which is unrestricted. This Mutalaq, unrestricted, is similar to the hadith Gharib or the hadith Ahad. Meaning, the hadith is narrated by one narrator. مثل حديث إنما الأعمال بالنيات من حديث عمر عند البخاري ومسلم رحمهم الله like the hadith of Umar that's collected by Bukhari and Muslim this hadith no other companion narrates it in authentic chain only Umar فهذا الحديث فر so this hadith is a فر hadith طيب والنوع الثاني the second type الفرد النسبي is the hadith that is single not by number, but by something specific. Min wajhin khas. From a specific angle. Madalan antum kullukum ishtum fi madinati Kansas City. Madalan. All of you live in Kansas City. Madalan. Fa narwi haditan wa kullu rawal min rawat min madinati Kansas City. So we have a hadith, for example, and all of the narrators in the hadith are from Kansas City. You can say this hadith is farud binisbati ila al-balad. This hadith is farud with regards to the state or the city. All of the narrators are from one specific land. But it may have many narrators. Taib, mithalu hadha. Taib, aw qala ma'ana. Wa huwa an yakuna al-hadithu farudan binisbati ila jihatin khasa. And as we learned in the last lesson, this hadith means the relative single report that is a single hadith or a hadith that is single by way of a specific angle there's something specific about it this is why it's called faradun nisbiyun it's nothing to do with the narrators how many of them no does it come from a specific angle is it singular with regards to this particular angle all of them are africans all of them are men all of them are women all of them are shuyukh. Every narrative is an imam. Method. قَالَ أَنْ يَكُونَ الْحَدِيثُ مَرْوِيًا مِنْ طُرُقٍ كَثِيرًا The hadith can have many narrators. That's not the issue. ثُمَّ يَتَفَرَّدُ الرَّاوِنْ بِرِوَاتِهِ عَنْ شَخْصٍ وَاجِدٍ وَمَنْ عَدَاهُ رَوَاهُ عَنْهُ كُثُرٌ He says, a hadith can have many narrators. And from one of the narrators, this is an example of a shaykh, like Imam Malik. So now it can have one, uh, many reports, but one of them is Shaykh, he has a lot of students. And another Shaykh only has one person who narrated from him. That can also be Farzun Nisbi. And then from that one, a hundred students can come from him. It will still be Farzun Nisbi. Because from one angle, it's just one person. So the difference here, Ikhwan, Al-Awwal Yadullu Ala Al-Adid. والثاني يدل على جهة خاص. Pay attention here. The first example, you're focusing on the number. It's only one narrator of the hadith. That's mutlaq. The second example has nothing to do with number. 
It's something to do with a specific angle. A specific angle. Hold on. Huh? I didn't have it. In that example, you would say, this hadith is far or tafarrud bihi fulan. A particular person, he's alone, he's by himself from this particular person. Like Imam Malik in a zuhri He's not by himself, but he's the only one that's stiqa. So from that angle, he's alone. From that angle, he's alone. We did already, Akhwan. طيب قال وقد ذكر الناظم للتفرد نسبي ثلاث أنواع. So now he's going back to the poetry. In the poetry, al-Bayquni mentions three parts. Three parts. Three types of تفرد نسبي. As we mentioned, بعض العلماء يقولون اثنان وبعضهم يقولون ثلاثة وبعضهم يقولون خمسة. Some scholars say the nisbi is two types. Mutlaq and nisbi. Some say it's three, some say it's five, because they break up the nisbi into three categories. So two and three is five. So now we're going to write Aqsamu al farud al nisbi, the categories of al farud al nisbi. And I say that again, Yahwan. The al farud kisman. The tafarud being alone is of two types. Mutalaq and Nisbi. Unrestricted and relative. The relative has three categories. Under mind? You guys with me, Akhwan? Tayyip. Fadal Shaykh. Qala litafarud al Nisbi, Thalatatu anwa'a. For the relative farud, there are three types. Al awwal, the first type, مَا قُيِّدَ بِثِقَةِ مَا قُيِّدَ بِثِقَةِ First type of the relative single report is a hadith that is restricted by way of somebody reliable. The hadith قُيِّدَ بِثِقَةٍ is restricted by way of one reliable person. He's the only one that's reliable. He's not the only narrator. No. From all the narrators, he is the only one that stiqa. So this you will say, The report is restricted because one reliable narrator. You all have students, Methelen? Malik from Zuhri. All of you are teachers, alhamdulillah. You all have students. Min majmu'atikum, لا يوجد إلا واحد ثقة ونعوذ بالله. So all we have students. So there's only one of your students that's reliable. Just one. All the rest weak memory, weak memory, weak memory, weak memory. But there's one, mashallah. So when they narrate from you, that one who's alone, that's this example. قيد بثقة. Zaid has ten students. All ten of them are weak in their memory, except one. So when they all narrate, our Sheikh Zaid narrated to us. Our Sheikh Zaid narrated to us. That one that's reliable, you would say this is Farudun and Zaid. Not that he's the only narrator. No, he's the only one that's reliable. So that's Qiyida Bithiqa. So he's, that narration will be restricted by one narrator. Like Malik from Zuhri. Taib. 
As we just mentioned, mashallah. For example, the Shaykh, he has students. He has students. But he only has one reliable student. So they all narrate the report. Masih has students, mashallah. From the 20 he has, there's only one. That's reliable. So you say, this one is Tafarrada Fulan and Masi Bikada. You say, this one is alone from Masi. Meaning, he is the only one that's reliable. So that's called Kuyida Bitiqa. It's restricted by someone that's reliable. وَيُشَارِكُهُ فِي الْحَدِيثِ But it can be others that narrate the hadith with him. And have a shaykh. لَكِنْ هُوَ الثِقَةُ الْوَحِيدِ but he is the only one that's reliable. So this is an example of the first category, ma What is restricted by one narrator. The, the, the shaykh may have multiple students narrating the hadith from him, but only one is reliable. But the remaining of the students, as we mentioned, they are weak. But that one is reliable. So this one is singular by the one narrator that's reliable. Right? So this goes back to the line of poetry when a Dehuni says that which is tafarrud singular because it's restricted by one reliable narrator. Man la who doesn't understand that category of form. Second category. And let's see who's paying attention here, Khwam. And what are we talking about? Al Nisbi. The singular report, not by number, but from a single angle, a relative angle. From some part of this narration or narr the narrators, there's something specific, something alone with it has nothing to do with how many narrators of the narration there are. لا. الكسم الثاني, second category. ما قيد بجمع ما قيد بجمع What is restricted by way of a, a group. What is restricted by way of a group. What is restricted by way of a group. يعني بجمع كبير من الناس لكنهم يشملهم وصف واحد For example, the meaning here There's a large amount or it could be a small amount There is a group It could be three, five, seven, it could be a hundred There is a group of mankind Narrate the narration But all of them share in a specific Quality, specific description. They share something. He's from the major scholars of today. Some say he's like an encyclopedia. Allah He's in Riyadh. Sheikh Abdul Kareem Al Khudir. I hear a lot about him nowadays, the Ikhwan. 
as we're mainly into fame. He's not that famous in the West, but he's like a mountain, mashallah. From the scholars that we narrate, he's above most of them. Just not as famous. He's like Nikes without the Nikes on. Nobody's gonna wear them. The same shoe. We're not gonna wear them until somebody famous name is on them. May Allah help us. My mom used to say, why don't you get your own shoes? I wish I took her advice. Back in the day when we used to sing songs as Christians, when I was the Billah, she would say, hey, sajil musiqa min nafsik, badalan ta'fada minhu, hadha laysa min. Good advice for the singers. She would say, hey, instead of memorizing that rap, make your own raps. Sing your own songs. I wish we took her advice, not from a rapper or a singer, but that advice. You're going crazy wearing somebody's shirt, design your own shirt. You see, that makes sense as a Muslim. Instead of me going crazy, Tommy Hill, Polo, uh, Adidas, make my own Adidas. Naeem Adidas. Alhamdulillah. Or I change it slightly. Give me something. Naima instead of Adidas. Naima's. I have four lines instead of three. <laughs> I wish we took her advice, mashallah. May Allah guide my mother. I wish we took her advice. We trying to memorize songs back in the day. She would say, hey, write your own song. And like, that makes sense. We make a joke. She would say, no, make your own jokes. <laughs> she she, she wants you to be an entrepreneur and everything. We have a phrase. And they said, no, no, no. Who made that up? I said, somebody in, 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 in Maryland, they started that phrase. She said, make your own phrase. I said, oh, I like how you think. I wish me and my brothers, we all could be rich. We all be overseas again. Alhamdulillah, build them in Sanjay. I wish we took our advice here. Alhamdulillah. She used to always say, You only play basketball. I used to like, uh, only play ball. I didn't play a lot of sports. She would say, You don't find people that look like you, that can jump like you, and fast like you, athletic, playing tennis. Why don't you play tennis too? I know playing tennis. Oh, make it out of here. But you look back like, She was right. You don't find nobody athletic in tennis. From the men, the women, mashallah. You don't find people that strong playing tennis. They're little. They don't have muscles. They don't jump high. They're not fast. Take a basketball player who has skills like that and teach him how to hit. Oh, he will be the best tennis player. He can jump high. He's fast. How are you going to get the ball past him? He's, he has stamina. He's, he's, he's an athlete. Teach an athlete how to play. Teach an athlete how to play baseball. Who's going to be better than him? He's fast than everybody. He's strong with everybody. I love our ideas, Yaquan. I wish we went back and I would play tennis this time around. I'll play basketball and I'll play tennis. I tell people play every sport you're going to play. As long as it doesn't. Play whatever you're going to play. As long as it doesn't take you away from Allah and the worship of Allah. Play everything. Don't restrict. Some of your brothers want to go overseas. I say, alhamdulillah, don't restrict your qalab. What does that mean? Some students say, I only want to go to Africa. I only want to study with the African Mashaykh. Other students, I only want to go to the kingdom. Other students, I only want to go to Pakistan. Other students, I only want to go to Kuwait and this one and this one. Alhamdulillah. All that's good. Don't restrict your request. What does that mean? Wherever you can go seek knowledge, go seek knowledge. 
You can't go to Egypt, go to Yemen. Can't go to Yemen, go to Pakistan. Can't go to Pakistan, go to Kuwait. Can't go to Kuwait, go to the kingdom. Alhamdulillah. If I can't go to Egypt, I'm not going to cry. Alhamdulillah. Go to another shaykh. I can't go to that university. Alhamdulillah. Mauritania is tremendous. You just got to know who from Ahlul Sunnah. They have a lot of scholars there. Hold them. But they may be upon different Turuq or different Madahib. Not Madahib. Different ideologies. The Sufi are there a lot. Uh, some of the Ashari are there also. So you just have to know where you're going. But there are some tremendous Mashaykh Ahlul Sunnah and Quran. Muhammad ibn Walid al Dadaw. He's awesome. Some scholars differ regarding him. I heard some scholars say he's from Ahlul Sunnah. I heard some scholars say he's not from Ahlul Sunnah. They differ. But he's holding. Whether you agree with some of his positions or not, he has some strange positions. For example, to him, Ahlul Sunnah is everyone except the Shia. He puts Ahlul Sunnah into one bubble. He says the Ashaira, Ahlul Sunnah. Salafiyon, Ahlul Sunnah. Ahlul Hadith, Ahlul Sunnah. Ahmadiyya, Ahlul Sunnah. Ikhwan al-Muslimin, Ahlul Sunnah. Everybody's Ahlul Sunnah to the Shaykh. Except the Shia. He says, Ahlul Sunnah to me is everyone that's not Shi'i. So some scholars say that position is false. Ahlul Sunnah are the people who are from the Sunnah of the Messenger, no matter what you call them yourselves. Everybody says Ahlul Sunnah. The Ashairah, they say we're Ahlul Sunnah. The Qawani Muslimin, they say we're Ahlul Sunnah. The Maturidiyah, they say we're Ahlul Sunnah. The people of Hadith, they say, and they are the people of the Sunnah. But everybody says Ahlul Sunnah. They don't call themselves. No one is going to say, Al-Nafsihi, Anabidi'iyun. No one's going to say, I'm an innovator. The disbelievers don't call themselves disbelievers. The Christians call themselves the saved people of Allah, the children of Allah. The Jews call them, they don't call themselves, hey, we're disbelievers. No. The chosen ones. Huh? The chosen ones. They, we're the chosen ones. Everybody believes what their opponent is correct. No problem. Are your opponents correct? How do you know? What's the true knowledge? What's the mawqifun al haqqu What's the true position? Who knows? Islam. Islam. All of them say they're Muslims. How do you determine? Everybody, some people don't use the word Salafi. And that's why that word is really unique. MashaAllah. You can tell Manhaj from Hey, how do you know? They all say Quran and Sunnah. Salaf with different interpretations. That's the correct uh, verbiage. Correct. How do you know? Who's, everybody say, we follow the Salaf. Every group. The Ashia'ira say, we follow the Salaf. The Maturidiyya say, we follow the Salaf. The Ahmadiyya, they say, we follow the Salaf. Ikhwan al-Muslimin, they say, we follow the Salaf. Everybody says, we follow the Salaf. Everybody says, Quran and Sunnah. Everybody says, Ahl Sunnah. Everybody says, Islam. Kaba to yes. So how do you know? And they have the understanding of the Salaf. Everybody say they do. How do you know? Use proofs to... They have proofs. Like the understanding of their companions. Hey, this is the, the criteria. Everybody's going to bring you a proof. Those who believe Allah is everywhere. They have some proof that they jack up. But they can give a proof doesn't mean that what you're saying is correct. It's not like that. A proof is just something that the iPad is standing on. My proof is the table. It doesn't mean that what I'm saying is sahiha. doesn't mean that. Somebody says, when I'm the billah, Allah is three. When I'm the billah. Oh, well, then have the qawlu kufr. Firstly, that belief is false. 
It's the belief of disbelief. To say Allah is more than one. They have proof. They can give you Quran and Sunnah to support. They're not understanding it correctly, of course. But they can give you a verse of which they're deriving therefrom. They say, Qala Allah Ta'ala, Inna nazzalna alayka dhikr. Surah Al-Nahal. They say, Allah says, Verily we sent down upon you this reminder. What's their angle? How are they using the verse? Allah used the plural. Allah used the plural. Is their proof correct? No. Or the proof is correct. How they use the proof is incorrect. You have the delayed and you have the istidlal. Two new terms here, Quran. Write these words down. You have the dalil and you have the istidlal. You have the dalil and you have the istidlal. The dalil is your evidence. Dalil is your proof. And then you have the istidlal. Al-istidlal. Two new terms, Masih. Dalil. D-A-L-E-E-L. Dalil. Dal, lam, ya, lam. Dalil. Second word, al-istidlal. Al-istidlal. A-L-I-S-T-I-D. L-A-A-L. Alif, lam, alif. Seen, ta, lam. Alif, lam. Al-istidlal. One is your evidence. The dalil. The istidlal is how you're using the evidence. Are you using it correctly? Oh, they use the ayat of the Hey, sometimes they use verses that the verse may have more than one meaning here. So they're trying to use this to establish their proofs. The determining factor is one. This is your determining factor. Is what you're saying that the companions understand it the way you're understanding it? Those that say, Madalan, Allah Ta'ala, Laysa Fawq, Wan'udha Billah, Wa'atikum Ayah. Those that say Allah is not above, and they give you a verse. Wa'ana ma'akum ayna ma'kuntum, an ayah. And I'm, wa'ana ma'akum ayna ma'kuntum. Allah is saying, and I am with you, talking to Musa and Fir'aun. And I am with you, wherever you go, wherever you are. What's the point? Musa and Harun were on the earth. Allah says, Aina makuntum, Aina makuntum. Wherever you go, wherever you are, I, Allah, is with you. Tayyip. The verse is there, they have the delay. The istidlal is wrong. How they're using it. What's my proof? The companions didn't understand it like that. This is the proof. Whenever you have an issue, forget the shaykh, the shaykh, the shaykh. Number one, did the companions understand it like that? You can eliminate. All the issues. One brother said, hey, you call your institute, Institute of Imam Ashokani. Correct. We love that great Imam. He's not the only one we love. We love him. Alhamdulillah. Tayyip. He says, in this position, Ashokani said such and such. You say, yes. In my opinion, he's wrong there. What's my proof? He differed with the companions. We were talking about an issue. The issue came to me one day. I didn't even give my position. I try not to give my position a lot, yeah, Juan. If you notice, the brother said, "Hey, what's the ruling on no woman tonight? What's the ruling on the man or woman who's not married or is married enjoying themselves?" Right? We leave it like that. You get it later, inshallah. The man or woman enjoying themselves. 
What's the ruling on that? I say some scholars say that's haram. Some scholars say that's not haram. He said, who said it's not haram? I said, there are many. From the Mashokani. In fiqh, he's the man. Whatever your position is. He's from Yemen. He's this, he's that. No problem. What's his proof? He says, there's nothing specific from the Quran and Sunnah to say it's haram. Strong. Eliminates half the argument. Anybody that gives you ayah, the word is not mentioned in the verse. They give you in Surah Al-Ma'arij, where Allah Ta'ala says, وَمَنْ adun." And whoever goes beyond that, then they are the trans transgressors. It's not mentioned. He says, how are you using that verse like that? Allah's talking about the right hand possessed and the husbands and wives. Talking about relations. He said, you're talking about enjoying yourself. Where is that mentioned? I said, whatever your position is, that's a strong rebuttal. That's a strong rebuttal. His second argument is, tell me one of the companions that said that's haram. Even stronger rebuttal. Whatever you say, I'm not saying that's allowed. I'm not saying that, Yaqwan. I'm just giving you how sometimes the scholars, they differ. Another example. The woman wearing the face veil. I tell the women, wear the face veil. If you can, get those good deeds. But it's not obligatory on you. <coughs> Why do some scholars say it's not obligatory? They say, where is the specific command in the Quran? Where is the specific command in the Sunnah? That's strong, ya yeah. Even if you don't accept it. Some scholars say it's obligatory. Shaykh Udameen, Shaykh Ibn Abbas. Many of the scholars in the kingdom. Many of the scholars in Africa. Shaykh Muhammad Ibn Ali. Ta'ib. Rahimahumullah. And there are many who say it's not. The strongest opinion appears to be it's not obligatory, but it's highly, highly, highly recommended because where's the command? Where's the command? It has to be something specific. So this is why some of the scholars are different, some of the issues in Quran. We shouldn't go to blows like many of the people of today. If my sheikh refutes this person and you don't take his opinion, I'm against you. That's not from Islam, yeah. That's not from Islam. One brother say, hey, I don't take from you, you don't take a madhab. Alhamdulillah, I don't take a madhab. I said, is it obligatory to take a madhab? He said, yes. I say, take your emotions away. Tatakallam billah, or tatakallam bil Qur'an wa sunnah. Take your emotions away. Let's talk with Qur'an and sunnah. If it's obligatory, where did Allah say it? If it's obligatory, where did the Prophet say it? He said, but isn't it better to take a madhab? I said, that's your opinion. And you're entitled to it. But to say something is better, if you have the deen, نَحْتَاجُ إِلَى الدَّلِيلِ We need proofs. So someone can have a deen and be wrong. Someone can say the Arabs are better than everyone else that's a non-Arab. That's his opinion. Islam doesn't say that. What's your proof? Allah sent the last prophet to mankind as an Arab. Makes sense. Makes sense. Islam is not about sense. Islam is not about, oh, I understand that. No, this is Islam. There are many things your mind doesn't understand. When Allah says seven earths, is the earth, this earth here? Or the many earths? Is Allah talking about the galaxies? Is Allah talking about the universe? Or is Allah saying there's seven earths, like this earth? Allah Your mind may not understand that. Are there seven earths, like earth? When Allah says earth, is it the galaxy? Allah How did the Messenger of Allah go from Mecca 
حتى بيت المقدس في ليلة واحدة ورجع في نفس الليلة هذا مستحيل للعقل صح لا بأس How could the Prophet go from Mecca to Jerusalem in one night and come back? Your, I guarantee your mind doesn't accept that. Your mind. That's impossible if you use your mind. That's impossible. Not religiously. He didn't ride on a donkey. He didn't walk. No. He was taken by Allah Ta'ala. So your mind may not accept that. There are many proofs your mind may not accept. Why do you picture right on your left in the salah? What is that significant? Uh, what's the significance of that? Allah. Allah. You can't give no proof from Quran and Sunnah of why to place your right on your left. We say, as Aisha said, "Fa'alahu Nabi." The Prophet did it. Why did he do it? Allah. Why do we point with our right finger in the tashahud and not our our index, not our akhinsir, our our little finger? Why don't we point like that? Allah. Why don't we point with the left? Why don't we point both? <laughs> Why do we say Al-Fatiha in every Salah? That wasn't the first sort of reveal. Why do we do that? Huh? And the Prophet Allah mentioned that's the mother, the foundation of the book. That's why we recite that. And the Prophet Allah used to do it. There are many things your mind. I give another one. Why do we bow before we prostrate? Why don't we prostrate first and then bow? Allah, that's from the wisdom of Allah Ta'ala. That's how the, the angel Jibreel taught the Prophet Messenger how to make the salah. One brother said the Prophet of Allah had a madhab. Sometimes you see brothers in Allah, internet, sometimes you want to refute this and correct this and correct it, but you're wasting your time. You are waste. Sometimes I see people's classes or reminders, or, and you just want to humbly say what you believe to be correct in a nice way, but you are wasting your time. One brother, he says, the One brother said, taking the madhab is obligatory. And it's a sunnah of the Prophet. The madhab came hundreds of years after the Prophet. How could it be a sunnah? He said, Jibril came to the Prophet and Jibril taught the Prophet, that's his madhab. Nobody of Islamic history has ever said that. And you think this shows your knowledge. No, on the contrary, this shows your ignorance. No child is ever going to say, Jibril was the Sheikh of the Prophet. No one is ever going to say that. No one is ever going to say, Jibril was the madhab of the Prophet of Allah. Nobody has ever said the likes of that. Not the Prophet himself, not one of the companions, not one of the Tabi'un, not one of the Tasbah Tabi'in, nor the great Imams that come after, nor one scholar of today. No one is ever going to say the likes. Sometimes you think you're shown off your knowledge and you're shown off your ignorance. So two words, Yahwan, Dalil, what is the Dalal? Just because you have a Dalil doesn't mean the way you're using the Dalal is correct. Some of the different, uh, different groups, they say, it's not allowed to say Allah's above. They say, if you say Allah is above, have a kufr. They say, if you say Allah is above, that's disbelief. They say, you brothers that say Allah is above, you're saying Allah is inside of a place. How? Where is that? 
if you إذا نحن ننقل عن الله وننقل عن النبي الله عليه الصلاة والسلام كيف هذا كفر أصلا كيف if we're narrating from Allah and we're narrating from the Prophet of Allah how can that be disbelief no you sound like the Mu'tazili you sound like the different groups that came generations ago when Ash-Shafi'i and Ahmad and Bukhari Muslim defended the Sunnah against the likes of them well they will come and say you can't say Allah is above what's your proof they give you a proof. But look how they're using it. They say, Qala Allah Ta'ala fi Surah Al-Shura. Laysa kamitliya shay'un wa huwa sami'un basir. There's nothing like him, and he is the all-hearer, the all-seer. How are you using that verse? <coughs> how? How? This is not a contradiction that Allah is above. Over seven times in the Quran, Allah mentions he's above. Sometimes above in general, and sometimes al-arsh, above the throne. How was he above the throne, Masih? In a manner that befits his majesty. That's it. They say, if you say Allah is above, you're liking him to his creation. You see, that's in the Quran. So Allah says that. Six or seven times. Hey, six or seven times. Al-Arsh, above the Arsh. Surah Tutaha, Surah Al-Araf, Surah Al-Sajdah. Seven, six or seven times, Ikhwan. The Messenger of Allah, Ali Babi Salih Al-Khudri. The Prophet said, I am the trustworthy one of the one who is above the heavens. It comes to me the narrations in the daytime and the narrations in the night. I am the trustworthy one of the one who is above the heavens. They say, you people say, above the heavens, Allah is inside of a place. Hada kufr. That's disbelief. To say Allah is inside of something. One person says, using his mind. How can we say Allah comes down to the heavens when the heavens in a creation? They get philosophical. They use philosophy now. Stay away from philosophy. Ibn Taymiyyah only used it, what? To fight, against it. to fight against it. Hey. So you don't get into these sciences, just to get into them. But say, for example, these people are taken over. So he used their own science against them. His mind was, mashallah. At any rate, we're not, we don't belong to Ibn Taymiyyah. One brother said, hey, you guys attribute everything to Ibn Taymiyyah. How? He came in the 700. How? We attribute anything to him. The Sunnah was there before Ibn Taymiyyah. The Sunnah has been there for generations. And Abu Bakr and Umar have been there before Ibn Taymiyyah. How? Most of the time he's quoting the companions. So how are we saying Ibn Taymiyyah is a proof? He's not a delayed. It's not a proof. No. Yeah, how did you get wrong with Peter Hadith, bro? Uh, the one slave girl, the Prophet yeah. asked her, like, the words of Allah in the sky. I said Hadith, Muawiyah. Uh, Collected by Muslim, Imam Muslim mentioned it two times. Well, if you الأولى ذكر أن ذكر أن المرأة تكلمت وفي الثانية أنها أشارت. Imam Muslim mentioned it twice. And one narration from one of his mashayikh, and that's how Muslim was. He was real dikka, was real precise. And one of his mashayikh said the word fa. Another sheikh said the word wow. He would narrate from both of them. My one sheikh said fat, my one sheikh said wow. That's how he was precise. But Khali may mention the, the meaning. 
Muslim was more accurate, mashallah. That's why some scholars say, if you want the uh, the most precise wording, you look at Muslims. If you want the most authentic narration, look at Bukhari's. But the actual wording, precision, look at Muslims. And other scholars say Muslims, book is easier, which is true. It's laid out easy. Sometimes you read a Bukhari and you say, yeah, Bukhari, how is that connected to that chapter? How? But he sees something there. He sees something there, so he wrote it. But while you're reading it, you don't understand the point. Tayyip, you need a scholar to teach you. Tayyip, so Imam Muslim mentions hadith two, two, two different ways. One of the ways the slave girl talked when the Prophet asked her. Another way she didn't say a word. The hadith is a long hadith. Muawiyah says, li li. He said, I had a slave girl and she used to watch my sheep for me. So one day I was hiding, spying, you could say that, just watching her, watching my sheep. So a wolf came. And the wolf came and took one of my, my sheep. That's his property, his wealth. You brothers sell phobes sometimes, sell garments, making money, mashallah, entrepreneurs. Somebody comes and I'll be like, steal your soul. That's hey, I paid five, I paid twenty dollars for that yaki. Get him. <laughs> That's my money. And man, he's selling cars. Somebody drives one of his cars and test drives. He takes off. I put that car at me. Hey, just get him. Fight. So he got offended. He got mad. So he says, I take to her. I went to her. He knew he was wrong. He said, Shakka. What's Shakka? To slap. Some say to slap with the open hand. You see those, those apps? When they say who's the strongest, the man is standing there, and someone slaps him. And he can't move. And then it's his turn. And then they say who. who? Or it's left. That's on YouTube. Yeah, come on. One of the funnest games you're going to see ever. Sport. It's a sport. <laughs> Whoever can take it, they win money. They win a couple thousand dollars. So they face. That's haram, isn't it? Yeah, it's haram. And that's a sport. Everything's a sport in America. Everything's a sport now. Everything. That's Russia. That's in Russia? Yeah, but now it's, in, it's, it's even in the West. They had this other game. I think it's like a homosexual game. I don't know if I can say that or not. <laughs> I believe. So they have the men, and you have to have a. a, a a balloon. And it's with the sports. The football players do it, the basketball players do it. So the man is sitting there and he has a balloon on his lap. Another man, oh, that's why I said I think it's a homosexual game, where the man has the balloon on his lap and then another man has to come and turn around and jump on him and bust the balloon on his lap. And that's a sport. You'll be amazed. The sports you have won. But that's how they introduce them. Men should be women. Women should be women. You can't talk about Allah in the schools, but a man can come and say, hey, little child, you don't want to be a man. You can't say Allah's name. You can't say the promise of Allah's name. But a man can come in front of children and say, hey, you don't want to be a man. You can go to the hospital and get an operation and become a woman. That's allowed, but we can't talk about religion. 
They have a they have a, a agenda. They want to remove religion from our houses, from our communities, from our schools. That's why it's important for us to teach our wives and our children about Islam. Especially they go to non-Muslim schools. Most of our kids go to non-Muslim schools. <coughs> so we have to teach them more, more. They shouldn't play these sports for four or five hours a day. No, it's not enough time. You gonna play basketball? No problem. You're gonna to go to Quran, Arabic, Hadith. If you have time left over, you can do an hour of basketball. No problem. You're not gonna do three or four hours of sports and you don't come to class. No, Islam has to be first. Especially if our children go to non-Muslim schools. Especially. So now Muawiyah he says, where do we stop here? So he slapped the girl. Kala shakatuha shakatan. He said, I got mad the way Bunny Adam gets mad. That's not an excuse. Who yashrah? He's explaining. It's not an excuse. He said, Adam. He said, I got mad. Just like Bunny Adam gets mad. So I slapped the girl with a hard slapping. So this became difficult on me. He knew he was wrong. So I went to the Messenger and I told him what happened. The Prophet is the judge of the situation. He said, Bring the girl to me. He said, So I brought the girl to him. The Prophet asked her two questions. The Prophet said, Who am I? She said, Anta Rasulullah. You are the Messenger of Allah. This shows what? She's Muslim. She didn't say, You're Muhammad, you're Arab, you're someone who can't read and write. No. She said, Anta Rasulullah. You are the Messenger of Allah. He said, In the second question, Ain Allah. He says, Where is Allah? Firstly, this shows the permissibility of asking this question. Some people say, it's not allowed to ask anyone, where is Allah? How can the Prophet ask that? If it's haram, how can he say it? Some people say, no, you're going to cause trouble. You're going to break up the jama'ah. No. How could the Prophet say it? The Prophet said, ain't Allah, where is Allah? One narration, the woman spoke. She says, Allahu fissama. Allah is above the heavens. And this shows the importance of learning Arabic. Why is that? Who can see that? The fee does not mean like literally inside. Accent. The word fee in almost every Arabic studies book you learn. On level one and two, they're going to give you one meaning of fee. Fee has many meanings. From the main ones is above. They're going to say fee means in. It does mean in sometimes. It can also mean above. Here it doesn't mean in. It means Allah. They say, hey, you brothers call yourselves Ahlul Sunnah. You say Allah's fee as sama. Yes. They say, how can Allah be inside the heavens? No one is saying that. That's why Aqid is so important. You can't be saying that. Allah cannot be inside of anything. 
Does this contradict the Hadith Abi Hurairah? That Allah Ta'ala comes down in the lowest part of the heavens every third of the night? The answer is no. So how does Allah do it? How does He come down? In a manner that befits His Majesty. We say as the Messenger of Allah said, we say as Allah Ta'ala said, how the companions understood it. And that's a benefit to attribute yourself to the companions. This is what it means Ahlul Hadith or Ahlul Sunnah or Ahlul Salafiyyah. This is what it means I follow the people of Al Hadith or I follow the people of Ahlul Sunnah or I follow the people of Al Salafiyyah. That you attribute your understanding to their understanding. You don't have anything new. Beware of those new issues, ya ikhwan. Beware of an issue that la yaspikhuna imamun, that no imam precedes us. Precedes us. Beware of that. I have a question. Uh, you said Muawiyah, he was talking to a slave. Muawiyah, he had a slave girl. I don't know, should we say slave girl, ya ikhwan? In translation. It's a jahiriya. They say slave girl. But this means not that she's his servant. That's like in Africa when we used to have someone, my kid's mom had this ikhwan. I thought I was being lazy, Allah Adam. When you don't have time to clean up, so you hire someone to come and she does a service, she may cook and do the kitchen and then leave. More like a maid. When they say slave girl, that's the translation. That's the meaning. So she wasn't his slave, she was his worker. She worked for him. She wasn't his slave. I mean, see, sometimes you have to remember English translations. A lot of translations we do nowadays are wrong. No, she, he was literally in front of her. He hit her. That was literal. It wasn't. What he did was haram. He just narrated what happened. So him hitting the girl is haram. But he's telling you what he did. He didn't leave anything out. A concubine would be a good answer, good answer, good translation. That would be a slave. But when you see in a book, slave girl, it can be two meanings. It can be a female slave of the person, or it can be like the maid. So that's why you have to look at the meaning. Don't learn your Islam based upon translations, Ikhwan. Use the translations to help, but don't take them as a guide. Two different positions. For example, Naqul Shukran, Mada Naqul fi Sami'i Hadi Kalima. What do you say when someone says shukran? Afa. So naturally, if shukran is translated to mean thank you, and you say afwan with shukran, you naturally think that afwan means you're welcome. That's a terrible translation. When someone does something for me, Massey usually gets a table for us, may Allah reward you. And we say shukran, ya akhi. He says afwan. You naturally think shukran means thank you. So Afwan must mean, you're welcome. It doesn't mean that now. What would be a better translation for Afwan? <laughs> it would be like, you are pardoned or excused. Not you are, you welcome. You're talking sometimes, I interrupt you. I say, Afwan, ya I'm not saying, you're welcome, ya No, I'm saying, pardon me, excuse me. Afwan, Masi. I'm not saying, you're welcome. No, I'm saying, pardon me. Like, Udhuran. Ma'adhurat, ma'adhiratan. Hey, forgive me. Not your welcome. Not like that. So just because something goes with something, doesn't mean that this is the translation for it. Somebody says, what does, we ask the kids one day in class, what does salamu alaykum mean? And this one of the times they hurt my feelings. But I saw how some of the sisters are strong in translation. And hopefully, 
the brothers of the school don't get offended. I would love to add Arabic or our class with the kids. We need Arabic at home. We need Arabic. How much more so the little ones? They don't tremendous in the Quran, but we have to add some Arabic. We have to, Yahuwah. So I learned that Sayyidina Khadija, mashallah, one of the best translators. And there's a couple other ones there that slipped my mind at this moment. So I said to them, what does Salaamu Alaikum Rahmatullah mean? And none of, most of them couldn't answer. One brother, oh, that means hi. But he didn't know. Sometimes us, I had a brother years ago, he used to say, Hayakallah, uh, Hayakallah. Everybody says that though. Hayakallah, Hayakallah. He said, when everybody left, Yaqi, what am I saying? <laughs> he said, You said it, Yaqi, you tell me. He says, You always got to make sure nobody's around. I'm just following everybody else. I hear everybody, I hear the mashaykh say, Hayakallah. The imams and students say, Hayakallah. I know it's something good. So I just say it like everybody else. You'll be amazed how many of us blind follow people and don't even know it yet. Following someone with no proof, as if he's approved, is blind follow. So we said to him, Hayakallah, you're asking Allah to extend your life, prolong your life, for example. At any rate, what's the benefit of saying something you don't know the meaning? It's like you didn't say it. Well, when the Imam was doing quotes, mm. like in Tarawih, for example, mm. They do I'll be accepted inshallah, we hope. We hope. But are they really if they're not the ones making the dua, they're just saying Ameen. What does Ameen mean? May Allah accept it. It means and It means I'm asking you, O Allah, that you answer it. That's what Ameen means. Ameen means. To ask, O Allah. I'm asking that you accept my dua. So it's not a condition they have to know what they're saying because they're not the ones saying it. They're just saying, Ameen. But suppose the, the person doesn't really, I, this happens a lot in Ramadan. The man is making the dhikr. He's not yatulubu shayin min Allah. He's not asking Allah for anything. He's making the dhikr. And you hear the people who don't know, Ameen, Ameen, Ameen. He's not asking for nothing. The person says, La ilaha illa ant. Subhanaka. Somebody, Ameen. Ameen. <laughs> I remember years ago, this is a true story, one of my closest companions, I pray he's doing well, Sheikh Muhammad as Suri. I think he's from Surya. Oh, I think he's from Surya. One of my closest companions, may Allah reward him. And me and him was always together when we was in Sardinia. So, we tried, we learned the hadith about making the umrah with your shoes on. So we said, okay, let's try our best. The other brother said, hey, you guys want to try to, in the, in the haram? You going to try to wear your shoes in the haram? I said, yeah, inshallah. <laughs> we don't fear anyone except Allah. He said, this is Saudi Arabia. I said, well, oh, even if it's Saudi Arabia, what can they do? Put us in jail, beat us, fine us, kick us out. I still did the sunnah. So the brother said, you gonna try it? I said, inshallah, if as long as you're there with me, I'm gonna try it. He said, okay, let's do it together. So alhamdulillah, we prayed our two raka'ah. One of the guards came over to me, I'm trying my best to keep my salah, alhamdulillah. Another guard came over, he was like, no, no, these brothers, they're trying to, they seek a knowledge, mashallah, that's right, that's a sunnah. Fear Allah, yaqi. The first guard left us alone, alhamdulillah. 
Now we're making our tour. We're going around. Still got my sandals on. Nobody's bothering me yet. This little old lady comes over. Now I don't know too much Arabic, especially at that time. So I'm thinking she's making dua for me. She was like, oh, Anta Kadabun, Anta Khazir. I'm like, oh, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. She's like, oh, you're a dog. You're acting like a pig. I didn't know. I'm thinking she's making dua. I'm like, oh, Allah, Allahumma Ajib, Ajib, you know. She's like, oh, may your mother lose you. I'm like, Allahumma Ameen. I didn't know. So Muhammad, don't say Ameen to that. I thought she's making dua for me. He said, that's why we have to learn Arabic. And I said, you're right. I'm thinking this whole time, she's making dua. She's cursing me. And I'm saying, Ameen, Ameen, Ameen. Your Ameen can coincide with the angels, Ameen. And Allah may answer it. So you have to be careful what you say Ameen to. If you don't know the dua, don't say Ameen. Don't just say, everyone else is saying Ameen, Zayd is saying Ameen, Omar is saying Ameen, Ameen, Ameen. No, if you don't know it, don't say it. Most likely he's saying something good, most likely, but you don't know. And also for the dhikr, the best opinion for the dhikr is that you don't say anything. But if you're going to say something, you may say, Ya Rabb, Oh my Lord, but you wouldn't say Ameen here, Ameen here. You say Ameen to something that's being requested of Allah. A dhikr, you wouldn't say Ameen. Somebody's reading the Tarawih, one of our Imams recited, and then he comes across the Jannah. And then you stop, it's a sunnah, and you ask for the jannah. You say, Allahumma inna nasaluka al-jannah. Oh Allah, we ask you for the jannah. Here someone's not going to say, Ya Rabb. No. He requested something. So you would say, Ameen. But he comes across a verse, <laughs> and you say, Abu Hurairah used to say in the ayah, uh, one of the verses will come, Abu Hurairah will say, Bala Ya Rabb. Of course you are, O my Lord. Somebody will say, Ameen here. No. You only say Ameen if the Imam is requesting something. In the Sunnah, in the night prayer, we don't implement that a lot. Maybe this Ramadan, our reciters will do the likes of that. And teach the people. You come across the Jannah, you stop. One narration, I probably will say it three times. Allahumma inna nasalukal Jannah. Allahumma inna nasalukal Jannah. Allahumma inna nasalukal Jannah. Oh Allah, we ask you for Jannah. We ask you for Jannah. We ask you for Jannah. And then we'll keep going. Was it inna or if it's singular, Allahumma inni. If you only mean you, then inni. If you mean the jama'ah, inna. That's another thing. Sometimes the imams may say the dua in the singular. You're saying ameen, he's only asking for himself. And that's another thing, when you're leading the salah, or you're making the dua, you should mention the jama'ah, the plural, for everyone. But if you mean you, you say, oh Allah, inni. You say I mean, but I'm only asking for me. Two different things. The point is, we have to know to the best of our abilities what's being said. What's being said. The ayah where in Surah Ali Imran, when uh, the mother of Isa, she mentions, Oh Allah, verily, what's the verse here? Blessed was in my womb. And you hear one of the men, Amin, Amin. And me too, Ya Rabb. No, you're not a woman. Yes, that's the janine that's in the belly. So you have to know. <laughs> you have to know what's being said there. Somebody had the hand. Yeah, uh, um, so how how do we uh, like manage the whole part of like you know, especially with ta'wil or qiyam or anything like that? It's not to be 
identify oneself with others, mm. and then you extend it to like some, some No. I wanted the way you would just mention the singular and the jama' and the plural. No, no, I'm saying like, so uh, people are very rudimentary when it comes to Torah. I mean, like you have to get through this many pages, no. this many like ayat, or this many, no. like, um, and then it kind of takes away from the purpose of the book. Now, I'll give you another benefit, that's correct. And we've been saying this for years now, That's a practice, yes. But no one can say that's the practice of the Prophet. When Jibreel would come to the Messenger of Allah, what's apparent is that he wasn't in the Salah. What's apparent? And this doesn't mean you don't you can't recite the Quran in Ramadan while you're in the Salah. This doesn't mean that. But many of us we believe, as our beloved brothers mentioned, as if it's the Sunnah. If you want to do that, do that. That's tremendous. Let's recite the Quran three, four, five times. You brothers do a tremendous job. Once the Quran is over, do the Quran again. Alhamdulillah. That's tremendous, ya khwa. But you can't call that a sunnah. Another benefit, you don't have to recite in order. That's not a sunnah. It may be, and it's the benefit of learning the hadith. Even how we pray the tarawih. <coughs> Most of us in the Muslim world and the non-Muslim world, we pray one way, Ali the Ali. And also another narrative, ya khwa, skips my mind at this moment. Uh, that the Prophet will pray, mathna, mathna. Two, salam, two, salam, two, salam. Until he gets to eight, and either three or ten, and then one. That's only one sunnah. There are many ways how the Prophet of Allah used to pray the tarawih. Many ways. Some of the time he would pray four straight, but no tashahud. And then he would salam out on the fourth, and then pray one. Sometimes he would pray two. And then two. And sometimes we pray some standing and some sitting. And sometimes all of them are sunnah, for example. Like his number also. You don't always have to pray 11. Some nights, you're going to pray 11. Some nights, you'll pray 5. Some nights, you'll pray 7. And he would never go beyond some narrations 11, some 13. Some say the 13 was the two raka'ah of the sunnah of the fajr, the next morning for the hadith of Aisha. That's in Bukhari Muslim. At any rate, there are multiple things in Khan. But we become so traditional a lot of times, and then we find the tradition that we're following is not the way of the Sunnah. There's a hadith Jabir, hadith Ibn Mas'ud, that the Prophet of Allah himself, to show us not obligatory to recite an order, would contradict the order. For example, one narration recited Al Fatiha, Al Baqarah, Surah Nisa, and then Surah Al Imran, to show it's not obligatory. Also, it's not obligatory to recite an order from how the Quran came down. That's why some of the companions had different orderings of the Qur'an. They all didn't have the same ordering. They all had the same Qur'an, but their ordering may have been different. And that's okay. It's not a condition that it has to be in order. It's not a condition. At any rate, sometimes if you say this to the wrong crowd, they may not ever invite you again. For example. And that's okay, but this is the benefit of seeking knowledge. A lot of times we focus on reading the Arabic, that's tremendous if you know what's being said. But those who don't know what's being said, 
Am I really reading the Quran? Yes, I'm reading it. But am I getting the goal of it? No. If I don't know the Arabic, I have to read the English with it. I have to. Because I'm missing the goal. The goal, the goya in Zalilahi Ta'ala Quran Alayna and Na'amala Bihi. And Na'amala Bihi. The goal of Allah sending down the Quran, the main goal is to work by it. How can I work by it if I'm not learning what's being said? This why Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Qayyim, Ashokani, and the likes, they say learning Arabic is obligatory. Because it's obligatory to understand the Quran and Sunnah. And you're not going to understand the Quran and Sunnah without studying something from Arabic. So it becomes obligatory. Because if there's a principle in, in, in Islam, uh, that whatever is obligatory, but it needs something else to complete it, to make this thing fulfilled, then that thing that you're in need of becomes obligatory. For example, at any rate, you can read the Quran in any language, but the Imam is reciting in Arabic. I don't know what he's saying. Then I'm not really reading. I'm not really. I'm not really getting the gold there. So I have to go back and I have to read in whatever language I'm reading to understand what Allah Taala is saying. Nor do I have to read a certain portion every day. But you can challenge yourself. I'm gonna try to read two Jews every day. Alhamdulillah, that's tremendous. If you can do that, Allah like you. But if you can't do that, it's okay. It's okay. And you can read more than that also. <laughs> for example, you're in a community and the brothers don't mind standing for long hours of the Quran. You can read more than one juice, for example. In Yemen, sometimes everybody's there is a memorized of the Quran. They lovers of the Quran. Nobody's going to get offended. Nobody. So they will recite Ju a Jazab and Raka'at. Sometimes in one in Yemen, Sheikh Yahya there and the other Sheikh, the reciter, Imam Ahmed. MashaAllah, MashaAllah. In the first raka'ah, he's going to recite the whole Baqarah. In the first raka'ah, he's going to recite Ali Imran. In the first raka'ah, he's going to recite Surah Nisa. And then he's going to say, Allah. Nobody's going to stand there for that, in, that long. You can take a nap. They used to say, hey, who's reciting tonight? Oh, Imam Ahmed. Okay, let me go back and get my snacks. They will come with their snacks. The Imam is reciting, you <laughs> see, people salam out, he pulls out a sandwich, makes his food, eat on the side, the Imam is still reciting. He takes a little nap, clean up, go freshen up, the Imam is still in the first rock out. He ain't miss nothing. Kids on the side sleep, oh, who's reciting? Imam, alhamdulillah, I'm gonna get 10 more minutes, inshallah, and then I'm gonna get in. And when he's about to make that Allah for everybody rush up, oh, Allah. <laughs> but if you're in a community like that, over there it's a village. Everybody's memorized, they don't care about that. But if you're gonna recite long and your community is not used to that, then you may recite, you know, less. But if your community doesn't mind that, you can recite more than the Jews if you wish. It's up to you. It's not something that you have to do. And the proof to that is the Prophet himself. He used to recite Al Baqarah and one Raka'ah. Narration of Ibn Mas'ud, he's Ibn Abbas, Ibn Mas'ud, and then he recited Surah Nisa, and then Ali Imran, and one Raka'ah. And then he said something you're never going to see nowadays. <coughs> I've never prayed like this ever. May Allah teach us how to pray like this and give us the patience and the fear of Allah. He said, and then he Raka'ah, and then he made the Rukur, 
وَكَانَ رُكُوعُهُ مِثْلَ كِيَامِهِ كيف؟ He said and then his bowing was just like his standing. I don't know if you understand that, Ikhwan. He stood for two hours. And now he's going to make the record similarly. And then he goes on to say, and then he raised his head from the bowing, and his raising the head of the bowing was like his bowing. Who can pray like that, Ikhwan? I've never, I've never seen a prayer like that. Nowadays, if you're reciting long, have the jama'ah. Uh, 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 everybody's giving you signs. Then you, pop, then you make the bowing. Uh, somebody's going to tap you. Uh, uh, then he comes up again. You can imagine. Like the hadith, that's not figurative. When Aisha said his feet would swell. That's not figurative, You, I challenge anyone of you to stand for a couple hours. Just stand there. And then bow for another couple hours. And then come up again for another couple hours. This is the hadith. This is how the Prophet make the salah. Not just in Ramadan. His night prayer, may Allah forgive us all, in Ramadan was just like his night prayer outside Ramadan. We are the ones who we only wait to Ramadan. Oh, time to pray the night prayer. That's us. That's not how the companions were. They increased in Ramadan. They were different. Many of us, as soon as Ramadan is over, we don't make the night prayer again since the ne to the next Ramadan. They weren't like that at all. But this is why his feet used to swell. Last point. Is it okay to hold the Quran while you're... It's allowed. Some scholars use the fact that or Urwa, he led the Salah and Aisha was there, Um Salama was there, and he had the Mus'haf or copy of the Mus'haf in his hand. So some scholars say it's allowed to do that. Um, someone is reading the Salah and they may read the Quran like that. Not bad. Other scholars say it's better that you recite from your memory so you can focus more. Sometimes when you're holding the Quran, your heart is not as engaged as if you were praying with what you have memorized. But, Urwa, uh, let the Salah while reading. So many scholars say that's allowed. What happens to the jihad after the same question? Now going back, we didn't finish the hadith here, and we apologize. طيب. Three more minutes, inshallah, we'll be done. So now he slapped the jariyah. The Prophet of Allah told them to bring her to me. He said, I brought her to the Prophet. The Prophet asked her two questions. Man ana, who am I? Enter Rasulullah. You are the Messenger of Allah. Second question. Allah? Where is Allah? One narration, Muslim mentions, she didn't say a word. Asharat biyadiha ila sama. It's another proof against those who say Allah is not above. For action. She's in front of the Prophet. He says, where is Allah? One narration, she points upward. Another narration, she says, Allahu fissama. Allah is above the heavens. What did the Prophet say? The Prophet turned to Muawiyah and said, A'tiquha fa'innaha mu'mina. He said, let her go. Free her. Because verily, release her. This may show that she was a slave girl to him and not just a worker from this wording. The Prophet said, A'tiquha. A'taqaha is usually someone that's not working for you. It's someone that's under you, like a servant. So the Prophet said, free her, but let her go, for verily she is a true believer. Many benefits of this hadith, Yaqwan. Benefit number one, it's allowed to ask somebody some questions. It's allowed. Hey, you Muslim? Yes. What do you believe? There's no harm in that. You Muslim? Yes. You pray? Inshallah. Who do you pray to? No problem. 
You're Muslim? Yes. What, what's your methodology? No problem. The proof to that is that the Prophet did it. He's questioning her to see if she's a believer. طيب. The next question that the Prophet of Allah asked her, where is Allah? This shows Allah is just as that slave girl said. She pointed upward, and one narration she spoke. Her speech is explaining the meaning of her gesture. If she was wrong, the Prophet would have had to correct her. So these people, they say, we don't accept this hadith. They never give you a reason why. You just can't choose what's authentic, what's not authentic as a Muslim. You ask them, what about this hadith? They say, oh no, to us, that hadith is weak. Who from the scholars of hadith has ever said it was weak? Tell me one. And give me their reasoning. You don't find it. The hadith is in both Bukhari and Muslim. Uh, I believe it's just in Muslim. I've checked that. Yeah, well, I believe it's only in Muslim. One of the most authentic hadith you're going to come across. None of the scholars of hadith say it's weak. None of them. At any rate, we're still on the category of Al-Farad. We got a little sidetracked tonight. We hope it was something new for you, Ikhwan. Halim is here. May Allah reward our beloved sister Halima for their share. Um, uh, so repetition of ayat in Quran. When you're reciting, let's read. Is that something that's frowned upon? Is there sunnah to that? To repeat the ayat, there's some hadith that the Prophet used to do that himself, so it will never be frowned upon. It can also be a sunnah from time to time. One hadith, the hadith, the Messenger of Allah recited Surah uh, Zilzala twice. Some companions say, oh, he forgot. Some say, no, he did that to show the importance of the surah. That you recite the, you recite the salah in the first raka'ah, and you come back and say the same surah again. Or whatever ayat you said in the first raka'ah, you come back and say the same exact ayat. That's a sunnah. Not every time, of course, but from time to time, the Prophet will do that. Also, sometimes the Prophet, even in the silent salah, will let a few verses be heard. Sometimes. Some companions say, no, he forgot. Other companions say, no, he is doing that for a reason, to show the verse. Others companions <coughs> said no, to show that he's reciting. Some people don't know that you don't recite in the silent salah. So they say, why did the Prophet of Allah recite some verses out loud to teach the Muslims that he's reciting? For example. So as many benefits why he did that. But it wouldn't be an issue there. That could be a sunnah. Also show the emphasis of the, some of the ayat. To show emphasis sometimes. You want to uh, emphasize that, you recite the verse again. To the Arab, to show emphasis, there are a few ways you can do so. Bil al-fa'ad, wa bil taratib, wa bil takrir, wa takrar. In certain words, you can show emphasis. Repeating something can show emphasis also. What would you recommend if the person, let's say, is like saying a second ayah, or the ayah, like you're repeating an ayah, mm. but then they, they're correcting you, like as you're, as you're reciting? Well, someone else says the correction? Somebody yeah, makes so an error? They think, they think that they say the next verse. Yeah? From the jama'ah? Yeah, from the jama'ah. Yeah, yeah but um, if the person is wrong and you correct it, it's recommended to do that. Some scholars say obligatory. You could do that. You have to do that. Um, yeah, but uh, no problem in that. The person recites the verse. Sometimes the person can see him, himself. He knew he made a mistake. He may say it again. That happens a lot. If he's stuck somewhere and the sisters are there, they should clap. That's the sunnah of the women. The men shouldn't clap. Uh, that no one claps except the women. 
طيب and then if the another thing you could do is say subhanallah to remind the person if he doesn't catch it and someone knows the mistake and they say it alhamdulillah there's no problem with that so let's say that the imam is just reading but then he's reading from like a different perspective maybe repeating an ayah or repeating a section that's fine and then the jama'ah corrects is there like but what are they going to correct if he repeated it he didn't do nothing wrong it kind of throws off the yeah, sometimes. And see, one benefit you have, Yahuwah, number one, that people should have patience, number one. I think here the brothers do a good job of that, mashallah. If someone makes an error or fumble, you don't see the people immediately jump on it. From what I see, the people, they have some some tamahul, they're that, they're patient, that the person have a moment. And then, if he can't recall it, then you see the people say something. If someone says it right away, there's no harm in that either. This is Allah's book. If someone's reciting and they make a fumble, and even if he has it, but someone throws a correction out, no problem. That doesn't harm. You know. Alhamdulillah. Um, and may Allah bless you. Last point, Father Sheikh. You say uh, hadith become the uh, Rawi one or the. The hadith that has one narrator is called the Farad or Ahad or One hadith. Only one campaign was around the Prophet when he said it. This hadith you would say faradun, or gharibun, or ahadun. Only one narrator. No. Okay, which one is the strong? The one with one or with, with the many? It depends. Al hadith al ahad qad yukun a'la min al hadithi madha al jama'ah. The hadith that has one narrator can be stronger than a hadith that has 30 narrators. And a hadith that has 30 narrators can be stronger than a hadith that has one. It depends. The hadith that has one narrator can be weak. The hadith of Inim al-Aman al it does have another, another narration, but it's weak. It's narrated by Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, but that chain is weak. It's only one authentic chain, Umar. That's it? No. That's what I would say, Wallah. May Allah bless you, Wallah. Wa subhanakallahumma bihubdika, shadu Oh, yeah, I'm going to